It is a joy to be able to be in the house of the Lord, and certainly we are blessed to be here. We thank uh, Brother Jason and the church very much for the invitation. It has been a very long time since we've been here. I, I really want to begin by just saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the air. I, I don't know what else to say to you fine folks. You send me cards to tell me you're praying for me and loving on us already at the food and the accommodations, and we take away your air. So I'm sorry. I, I, I don't even know. Uh, but uh, it is good to be able to be in the house of the Lord. It is good to see you all. Brother Jason is a dear friend. We have known each other. Um, and, and as he said, um, it was at a King's Edition Baptist Church Bible Conference, and we just clicked. We just clicked immediately, and, and there's a lot of history with the church. He came over. You all might remember when uh, we established our building. The church had been there before, but we were able to purchase a building, and he helped uh, move some pews. I don't know if he complained about that when he got back home or not, but uh, we worked. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> we worked them. Uh, we worked them hard, and uh, <coughs> and then he uh, preached for us, and it was a, a great time, and I'm thankful for our friendship down through the years, and so uh, it is with great, again, great joy to be able to be here to proclaim God's word. I certainly miss having all of my family, but very thankful to have uh, my oldest daughter, Dinah, uh, with me. Um, the rest of my family is in Florida. I don't know. I, I, I'm working with it. You know, we're working on it. I, Florida over Illinois, you know, same, you know, same temperature or go get warmer, eh, you know. So uh, anyway, no, really, uh, I'm watching, uh, I'm watching my, my mom's house down there and, and, you know, and things like that just all kind of came together. But um, I've been looking forward to coming here for quite some time. And, uh, and being able to pray, proclaim God's word to you. would invite your attention over to the book of Matthew chapter 5. As you're turning there, if you're able, we'd like to ask that you stand as I read God's word. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 5. <coughs> In all seriousness, you're going to hear me cough and you're going to be worried shaking my hand throughout the duration of this meeting. I, I promise you I am not sick. There's no fever. There's no anything. And I'm going to tell you a little story not to make you feel bad. About four or five years ago, I had, I had legit Lyme disease, and uh, whenever, a, whenever something comes back, the lingering cough lasts forever. So I just want you to know that. Please know I would not purposely come and, and get any of you sick. So I took away your air. That's my own right. I, <laughs> I understand where I'm at right now, and that's why I was like, I need, to, I need to let you know. All right. Matthew chapter 5, the text is verses 2 through 12. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And we'll stop there and look to our Lord in a word of prayer. 
<clears throat> Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love to us, your mercy, your grace, and your watch care over us. We thank thee, our Father, for the privilege that we have to come into the house of the Lord this evening. We thank you for <coughs> each and every one that is here. We thank you for Brother Jason and his family and, and the entire church here for hosting and having us and making us feel welcome and comfortable. And I pray, Father, that you would be with me tonight as thy servant. May you give me liberty and ability to present thy word in truth and in love. And if there are any here tonight that know you not as Savior... We pray that this would be the day of salvation, that they come to know you in the full pardon and forgiveness of sin. I ask, Father, that you do forgive us of our sins, and these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <coughs> As I said, it is with great joy uh, that we are able to be back here. And again, we are thankful for the opportunity to preach to you on the message of cultivating Christian character. Thankful for the message that your pastor brought on Sunday, already introducing and uh, giving you the overview of the Sermon on the Mount. As he said, and as the other brethren, I'm sure will say, you all already know, we will not be able to give full commentary on uh, the verses. So you're, you're welcome, brothers. I'm taking that time for you. You don't have to say it when you come up. You're welcome. Yes. We'll not be able to give it all the attention that's due. But oh, what a joy it is to preach from the greatest sermon, from the greatest preacher ever, ever. Now I'm going to start off with a bold statement. We need Christians with character. And even more bold than that, we need Christians with Christian character. And well, thank you for coming. <laughs> that's, that's the whole message. That's what it is. And that's what our Lord lays out for us here. It's no secret on how we're to act. It's no secret on how we're to behave. It's no secret on what we're to do. And here's the blessed part of it. That if we simply do what God tells us to do, we are blessed. Do you understand what that is when you look at these Beatitudes as these preachings of the disciples and certainly many that were there to hear? The Lord gives us command what to do. He tells us how to act. We rebel, we don't do what he says, we don't act like he tells us to act. And yet if we would just do what he says in the very text, in the very word of God, we're blessed. I don't think, I don't think we can start much better than that. And yet, I look around, and I see it all over. And again, you, you all know I haven't been here in years, so you know we come and we, we preach to the congregation that is at us. And I don't know if it's a problem here or not. But honestly and truly, I am saddened by the lack of godly Christian character today. And it hurts my heart. So many people today, <coughs> including Sovereign Grace, Landmark, Missionary Baptist, do not talk the talk, walk the walk, act any different than those that are not proclaiming to be Christians. You understand what I'm saying? The message is cultivating Christian character, and many a times we have a hard time distinguishing those that are to be Christ-like. So we need to get back to the basics of God's Word. Amen. That, that, hmm, it can be said so many times. 
These are the very words that our Lord preached to his disciples. Why do I need to get more fancy than that? I don't, I don't need to. We're literally going to go to the word of God to see what God says on how we are to behave as his children. Don't we as parents set expectations on how we want our children to behave? And we're saddened when they what? Don't. We've set the expectation. We have told them. We have instructed them. We have taught them. You don't have to get too deep and theological to say, I don't want you to do this. That's it. That's as deep as it needs to get, whatever it may be, whatever the this is. God tells us basic how to act. And that's what the message is about. And so, and so again, it is just staying with the text and, and, and literally listening to the very word of God. God tells us how we're to live. He instructs us on what it is to have Christian character. But what does it mean to cultivate Christian character? So we begin with the simple definition of cultivate. Ah, this might come as a shock to you all, but I am not an avid gardener. I'm just, it's just not in my DNA. We've tried. And we have got food out of the ground, and it's really cool. And then we're like, we're going to can it, and we're like, we don't. Sometimes we freeze some beans. That's fun. That's good. It works. But there's a piece of equipment, for those of you that are like farmer, real farmer people, right? We call it a tiller, but what is it essentially doing? Cultivating, right? It's getting in the dirt, and it is moving the dirt, and it is shuffling it up, and it is working the dirt. It is cultivating. It is action. So we, as God's children, have a responsibility to take action to do that which God has instructed us from His Word. Cultivate. It's a verb. A verb is an action word. It means something needs to be going on. That's what he was telling his disciples. Something needs to be going on. And I'm going to, and again, the Lord in a few moments is going to begin. You see a lot, if those of you that have red letter Bibles, right? You see a lot of red letters about to come your way. Our Lord is going to instruct us on how to have Christian character. Therefore, having Christian character, again, is something that we have to work on. We have to apply God's word in and through our lives. We must cultivate this we must work on this we must continue to read God's word we must get in God's word we must look at God's word and see where we're wrong because God is never wrong <laughs> and his instructions are never wrong and what he tells us to do we do, we just must do it and as I said and if we simply do what he says here in Matthew chapter 5 we're blessed praise God by doing what he says it's a beautiful thing and so, beloved, we should desire as God's children, as Christians, to cultivate this character, these ethics. Our text before us gives us just what we need to do while we're here on earth. <clears throat> now, beloved, I'm going to get into it. We're going to try to go, you know, through each verse and just give you a little bit about each verse. But I want to say a few more things here. The teaching of the Beatitudes, to me, would be in vain unless I... They turned our thoughts to the person of our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We must think about Christ. 
It is my desire to show you through the teaching of the Beatitudes to describe the character and conduct, yes, of a true born-again child of God, a Christian. But before I can even speak about that, I must begin here. You see, for anyone to begin and maintain cultivating Christian character, again, that is to be more like a Christian, you must know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He's speaking to the disciples, the multitudes, there's people listening. I would assume that most people that I'm speaking to tonight are God's children. I mean, that's what, that's what we think of when we come to a conference. But then I would also tend to think then that there may be someone here tonight that is lost and undone without the Lord Jesus Christ as their only and all-sufficient Savior. And it would be a great disservice if I did not tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you been born again? Are you saved? The Bible says in Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved, that is our hope, our salvation, and everything in that. And so with that, <coughs> for those excuse me, that are here that have been saved by the grace of Almighty God, that it is in the Lord Jesus Christ that we find the brightest, the clearest, and the best manifestation and the highest exemplification of all of these Beatitudes. Every one of them perfectly exemplified in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's not a one of them that our Lord did not excel in. And so after all, those that have been saved by the grace of Almighty God, who is it that we are to pattern our life after? Well, certainly not me. Don't pattern your life after me. Even Paul said, you follow me as I follow Christ. Christ is always to be the focus. Always. And again, not just one or two of these Beatitudes that we will read did Christ perfectly display but all of them <laughs> and so cultivating Christian character is taking these basics in the word of God and, and I'm not trying to call the word of God basic because it is so rich and so pure and so powerful and all of those wonder, wonder, wonderful things but God is able to make it simple for us because he's God and he can. And so, beloved, <coughs> you and I are to be the reflective light of our Savior. And the Lord Jesus Christ does not require something of us that he does not equip us to do. He gives us the ability and the means. We just have to ask. And no, I know we're not perfect in this life. But we ought to strive to be more like our Savior each and every day. Let's get into this. Number one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is indeed blessed to mark on how this sermon opens. Our Lord began his sermon by pronouncing these beatitudes. And notice our Lord tells us, blessed, blessed. He says it many times. And I love it. Happy, right? Blessed or, or happy. And then watch what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you like, what? Are you kidding me? Wait a second. You're telling me that it's a blessing to be poor? 
You're telling me that it's a blessing to not have things? <coughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now I want you to think about that. Before the Lord Jesus Christ, who said anything else, regarded the blessed as poor. Poverty of spirit is the opposite of haughty and self-assertiveness and haughtiness. Pride. Being poor of the spirit is the opposite of a prideful spirit. And as sinful men and sinful women, we have a tendency to pop into pride very, very often. It's very easy for us to pop into that. It's very easy to look around and, and see and, and say yes and yes. And, you know, I work and I do this. You know, God is the ultimate provider. But he reminds us right at the beginning of this sermon. Blessed are they, I'm sorry, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> but it is, again, what he says here. It is the humble. It is the poor in spirit. That are blessed. James chapter 4. He's talking to his disciples. So we, we understand I could do a complete salvation reference here as well. And, and, and find it to be applicable. But I'm, I'm talking about cultivating Christian character. So I'm talking to those that have been saved by the grace of almighty God. That ought to be working these characteristics in our lives. To be more Christ-like. To live more like the master. Not just in the house of the Lord, but when we leave there, when we go to our homes, when we go to our jobs, yes, in our homes, we ought to have Christ-like character, amen, for sure, because it starts there. Anyway, I digress. Stick to the text. James chapter 4 and verse 6, and the word of the Lord says this, <coughs> but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble. You see, it is the poor in spirit, I believe, that realizes that he is nothing of himself. It is the poor in spirit that realizes, like Job did in 121, that we have nothing and we're going to take nothing. And everything that we have is given to us by Almighty God. And he blesses us. Now, he blesses us beyond measure. <laughs> and he gives us wonderful and beautiful things. But I just admire am nothing without my Savior. So then I would have to say that the greatest blessing in my life was when the, more, the Lord made me to realize that I was poor. That I could do nothing for myself. And that without Christ I have nothing. To be poor in spirit is that remembrance and that acknowledgement that I am in complete need of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a, what a way to, to essentially begin, well, he did begin this way, this sermon. Beloved, I want you to know tonight that in the Lord Jesus Christ are all the riches we will ever need. All of them. In and through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, number two. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You say, Brother Justin, 
How is this? What are you talking about? What are you, what are you talking about? Cultivating Christian character. Where is character coming into with, you know, being poor in spirit? Well, I talked about that. that. That's that humbleness, right? It's that opposite of pridefulness. And you'll hear a little bit more about that as the sermon goes on, as the brethren come up and they preach to you a little bit more. Okay? So, yeah, characteristic of a child of God is not walking around in haughtiness and pride, but humbleness and meekness, right? So then we move into number two here. Blessed are they that mourn. Our blessed Lord truly does understand mourning. His mourning, of course, is different than ours. His was a perfect mourning, but thus showing us in his humanity what it is to truly mourn. Jesus wept is a form of mourning. Our Lord understands who we are. Now let me be clear, our Lord never mourned due to sin. I just want to make sure that's clear. He never had to confess to God through mourning for forgiveness of anything. He is the God-man. He is perfect in every way. But as I said, our Lord knows what it is to weep. <coughs> our Lord sighed before he healed the deaf and the dumb man in Mark chapter 7 and verse 34. He sighed. That is a a type of mourning. He was weeping at the graveside of Lazarus, as I read, or as I said in John eleven thirty five. We see our Lord's lamentation over the beloved city in Matthew twenty three thirty seven. Our Lord knows our mourning. When we mourn, He knows all about it. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall. Be comforted. What a wonderful characteristic that is to know that we are comforted only in and through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, as I said, well, here we go. <coughs> Blessed are the meek is what it says, right? And, and uh, that's verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is a great characteristic that really, to me, ties in to, number, uh, to verse number three, which was number one about being poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. After all... <laughs> it is a word that our Lord used in his first sermon. Blessed are the meek, the humble, the lowly. Meekness and lowliness are often linked together. Matthew eleven twenty nine, Ephesians 4, 2. <clears throat> meekness, as I already began to try to describe to you, meekness is the opposite <laughs> of stubbornness and self-will. Meekness is marked by a spirit of being yielded to God. It is the opposite of being determined to have my own way and rather desiring that God would work His will in and through me. Now, I don't know about you all, but I know I need that grace to be cultivated and I need to work on that because I like to have things my way. I like to have things the way that I like to have things. Shame on me. The Bible tells us through our Savior in His Word that blessed are the meek. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was among the meekest of men and none of you would consider our Lord to be among the weakest of men. Meekness does not equal weakness. Meekness is a Christian character given to us by our Lord. And so, if meekness is to be cultivated in our hearts and lives, again, it goes back, as I said, we must have that sense of our own unworthiness before God. We must understand what we justly deserve. 
And that, of course, is eternity in the lake of fire. And God, in His infinite mercy, grace, and love, for those that have been saved by the grace of Almighty God, has forgiven us every single sin we have ever committed or ever will. They're all paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, as we think about being blessed are the meek, surely we can bear the insults of men. Remember that we are commanded to forgive and not harbor your feelings. We committed far worse sins unto our holy God than what mere man can do to us. Meekness. Our chief goal and our chief gain in this life is not to gain the approval and the applause of men. But the meek Christian realizes that this world is not his permanent home and so does not try to exalt himself in it. Cultivating Christian character. Let's keep moving. Number four. This one I, I know is a theme throughout the conference and, and it is and certainly one that your pastor already touched on a bit and so I'm thankful for that because I will not take a lot of time here as I talk about blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. <clears throat> How wonderful are these words that are exemplified in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is all righteousness. God is perfect and holy. His ways are perfect and holy. His methods are perfect and holy. Everything about God is perfect and holy. He is God and the Bible clearly teaches <laughs> You and I are far from that standard. We are at enmity against God. And, and I'm thankful that all of my sins have been forgiven. But I tell you, we live in a world right now where we need to hunger after this kind of stuff. Hungering after the righteousness of God. Hungering to be more like Christ. That's what he's teaching his disciples here. Follow after me. Hunger after this. We all know what it is. Well, we're Americans. We don't know really what hunger feels like a lot. <laughs> there may be periods of time where we were like, I am super hungry right now. And then it borderlines and you start to get hangry, right? No, I, I can't. I was like, I can't be the only one. I'm not the only one. Am I the only one? Okay. All right. All right. But truly, we don't know what, what really it is to hunger, to really hunger. And because, you know, we don't really know what it is to hunger like, like those that don't know where their next meal is coming from, I don't think that we can really relate as much as we should to this kind of verse. Because those that don't know what their next meal is going to be, those that really know what it is to hunger, would really get into this verse and say, you know what? I know what that pain feels like. I know what it is to be hungry. And, and so that's what the Lord is teaching us here. He's saying you need a hunger after righteousness. And really, really, really desire to be more like our master. Hungering. After the things of God. I enjoy so much coming into the house of the Lord. I enjoy so much being around God's people. And certainly I enjoy preaching God's word. But I think I fall short. In truly hungering. After the righteousness of God. Cultivating Christian character. Is getting these beatitudes in our hearts and minds. And then remembering. <laughs> again. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. How good does it feel when we have filled our bellies when we're hungry? Really good, right? It does. 
how much the more. Okay. Number five. Here's another one. So the fifth one here is, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. (coughs) Simply defined, it is the gracious disposition toward our fellow man and toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to what this is. It is kindness and compassion in action. You're welcome. Try to make it rhyme a little for you. Good. You're still with me. This is good. This is good. I keep looking. I'm doing fine. We're going to make it. We're going to be okay. I know you're thinking, man, if he's only this far and we've got to get to verse 12, he, we ain't never getting out of here and there's no air. (laughs) See? Okay. Good. Making sure you're with me. You are. All right. We're going to get there. All right. It is compassion and kindness in action. Blessed are the merciful. It is that spirit that regards with compassion the suffering of the afflicted. It is the grace that causes us to deal compassionately with one another and shun the taking of revenge. Human nature wants to go to pride, wants to go to some of the things that the Lord has already addressed here with Christian character. Oh, well, they just got what is coming to them. Come on. Come on. Unfortunately, that thought has gone through, I would say, most of our minds. It doesn't feel merciful, does it? Not when we think about the mercy that our Lord gave unto us. As I said, folks, I I, want to stick to the text, and I'm not trying to... In some ways, yes, we need to be made to feel bad in, in some ways, right? So that we can't hunger after righteousness. But that's why I said I don't have anything new. These are the very instructions from God's Word. cultivating Christian character all the way throughout this text. We are blessed, again, when we obey and do. That mercifulness is that, this beatitude, that spontaneous outflow of a heart that is captive by and in love with the mercy of God. Listen, if you're in love with the mercy of God, this is going to be an outpouring of your spirit. You're going to be merciful and loving and kind. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to stand up here and just say, everybody gets to walk all over you. That's That's not what I'm trying to get at, okay? But there's a right way, and there's a way of mercy, and we're blessed when we're merciful. That's what the scripture says. After all, no one has wronged us as much as we did our Lord. Our Lord who did no sin, we have sinned. And so if our Lord has showed us mercy... And if you're here tonight, having been saved by the grace of Almighty God, He has shown you mercy, then we should show it to others. Mercifulness is one of the natural and necessary blessings of a merciful Christ dwelling in us. And, hold on. I'm going to love this. Mercifulness should be exercised cheerfully. Oh, that brother Justin said, I got to show you mercy, Tom. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to help you out. Be glad. Rejoice. I'm going to get to rejoice. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. All right, here we go. Moving on. (coughs) All right. Let us contemplate the words. (coughs) Yeah, I know. You're not sick, are you? No, I'm not. I promise. All right. Blessed are the pure in heart. I love this one. All right. Blessed 
on the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The new heart of the child of God is different than the old heart. Praise God, right? We're a new man. We're a new creature. And that heart has been changed by the one who is and was, was and is perfectly pure in heart. That is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. <sighs> what is it to be pure in heart? When we think of purity, what do we think of? We think of clean and beautiful, safe and wholesome. We think of something unpolluted, uncontaminated, and altogether lovely. So we think of when we think of pure. That's the kind of heart that is blessed. The kind of heart that our Lord has shown unto us. And we know that no inward purity exists in the natural man. This kind of purity is attributed by Christ our Lord to the child of God. And is given to us. That regeneration is something we need to work on. We need to be more pure at heart as God's children. We need to think on what is true and what is pure, what is lovely, right? All of those things. Filth and impurity is all around us. When you leave here tonight, filth and impurity is all around us. And so we must work on, we must cultivate pureness in our lives, in our homes, and in our churches. Pure, purity is is freedom from defilement and divided affections. It's sincerity and genuineness and singleness of heart. A heart pure for the things of God. Now listen, we're not only to be pure in heart. We're to be pure in our words. But we're to be pure in our actions. And pure in our motives. Sila. I just, I don't know if that's the appropriate usage of the word there, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> And if it is the appropriate usage, yes, I want you to stop and pause and think about it for just a little while. Our affections should be set on things above. And that's a surefire way of keeping our hearts pure, looking unto Jesus. Number seven, <coughs> blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, yes. Now, notice we, we notice here our Lord didn't say blessed are the peace lovers or the peacekeepers, but blessed are the peacemakers. The scope is really talking about becoming and performing the role of a peacemaker. Before I get even into this, I want to ask all of you, is that you? Are you a peacemaker in your home? Are you a peacemaker in your job? Are you a peacemaker with your family? This is the question we must ask ourselves. For our Lord says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And children of God, as you grow up in a home, and as you're in a home, wouldn't it be awesome that every member of the home is seeking to make peace? <laughs> but isn't that what God commands every one of us to do? Not just me, but all of us, right? Okay? So peacemaking, peacemaking. <clears throat> we are to be ambassadors of peace. <laughs> we are to teach the Christian life and be promoting peace. We are again to tell people about the peace of God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and live our lives as shining examples of peace. <laughs> peace. As I grow a little older, <clears throat> you know what? what? I realize that strife really is never very profitable anyway. 
when I was younger, I mean, you just get, you're just like, I, I'm going to make my point. I'm going to make sure it's known. And if they don't know my point, I, I mean, all kinds of things, right? We just get, we get so caught up in that, which really goes back to being blessed as the poor in spirit, right? And being humble, but we're just, you know, we got to get our point across. And man, how much time is wasted in unnecessary strife when God tells us to be peaceful. <laughs> peaceful. Next. See? Almost there. You say, how are you almost there? I'm going to tell you. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. <coughs> I'm going to put a bunch together here. It says, again, yeah, blessed, uh, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then, uh, verse 11, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And so these we can lump together. Now, there is certainty of persecution. It will happen. Even if we're living a semi-scriptural life, it will happen. I don't know what it is to suffer a martyr's death or feel that martyr's pain. I have felt some degree of persecution, but, but nothing really. But God tells us persecution is a reality, but I want to say something very quickly. I want to tell you what persecution is not. Persecution is not being a nuisance, okay? That is to say, Christians who have shown themselves to be offensive, difficult, and insulting to their co-workers and neighbors, and then saying, man, I was persecuted today. Really? You made yourself right? The key is to remembering what I said is a key to a lot of this conference and this sermon is, is persecuted for righteousness sake. Fighting the good fight of faith, not the good fight of the flesh. You need to fight the flesh, but, okay, you knew what I meant. Not prideful when you're trying to get your point across. Okay, sorry. All right. Okay, want to make sure. So, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. I don't know that we have felt these verbal insults really to the degree that I believe our Lord would have been speaking about here. Really, really revile means to cast one's teeth and carry the idea of criticizing severely with the aim of discrediting and then uh, the false accusations. As I said, if you're living godly in Christ Jesus, some will speak falsely about you. Uh, they do not want you to get the promotion, right? They don't want, to become, they don't want you to become their boss. They will slander you. Uh, all kinds of things. They will say all manner of evil against you. Harsh, abusive words usually said behind our backs. But what were you supposed to do? Be merciful and peacemakers. That's what it says. Finally, verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. I love it. I love it. <coughs> for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Our Lord tells us how to respond to persecution. He tells us how to live. He tells us, again, these are things that we ought to, as I said, cultivate. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Rejoice and be not just glad, but exceeding glad. Gladness. If there's one thing, I mean, there's a lot of things I enjoy preaching about. Creation, salvation, but I, I enjoy preaching about joy. and The joy that it is to be a child of God. May we rejoice and be exceeding glad. Well, beloved, again, I trust that there's been some words in here tonight that have been a blessing to you as we all strive together and work together to cultivate Christian character.
Thank you for attention to the Word of God. Turn it back.